0: Welcome to the Lead, Defend podcast, a show designed to help you grow in faith and leadership as you navigate the stages of young adulthood. We address important faith topics and provide practical life tips, helping you build up your faith as you engage a changing culture. Now here are your hosts.
1: Y'all, we're talking about dinos today. This is Ryan and Brock on the Lead Defend podcast. We've got our guest Chris Coleman. Uh, many of you know Chris Coleman. Chris has done a lot of ministry around the state and college young adult world. Also, he is one of the people that started Lead Defend. Yeah, but to is. introduce this, because we're talking about dinosaurs, age of the Earth stuff. Oh, yeah. I-, I need everybody to give their best dinosaur
0: roar. Starting with Brock Caldwell. Best dinosaur. Roar. First of all, I gotta apologize. I think I was crunched on a mint when that uh, when that opened. But best dinosaur ro- yes, best we, dino roar. Yes, best dino roar. Do we have like a, a any kind of dino? Yep. Any, any kind.
1: <clears throat> <laughs> okay, we're going to go ahead and all start, right, it, that a, that I just choking, have to ask. That was a
0: choking pterodactyl. <laughs> oh,
1: good. That's, that's quite appropriate. All right, we're going to go ahead and start, Chris. Um, <laughs> tell us about dinosaurs.
0: Whoa, I thought we were all three doing <laughs> no, it. No, no, no just, just you. Just you. What? So, yep, yeah, that's the end of that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Great joking territory. Mainly, Actual mainly, though. neither of us can top that. So we're I just, thought it was we're pretty just, great. We're gonna leave I'm actually that.
0: worried that so, we just called one.
1: There's one flapping around the there, building it right it now. It may be true. It may be true. <laughs> all right, let me let me say it this way. I, I've been watching some of the uh, planetary documentary stuff. You Jurassic know, the ones Park? that come out every couple, couple of years with Morgan Freeman voicing uh, the age of the earth and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Chris, the Bible presents a different view.
2: Well, it, I mean depending upon who you ask within Christian knowledge. well I, yeah. I'll
1: say this the clear just just a precursory reading of scripture tends to present a, a different yeah
2: note. I agree with that yeah
1: and so tell us how how do we even start this conversation about the age of the earth
2: well I think First, um, yeah, there are different views within Christendom. I want to make sure that that's clear that uh, you have a young Earth view, which is uh, not actually where I started. When I came to Christ, hmm. I was what's called an old Earth creationist. Sure. Which I'll talk about more here in a second. You've too that much God lu- created an old Earth. That God created that God used evolutionary processes by which hmm. to get us here. Okay, and uh, and so uh, I shifted away from that because the fact of the matter is, guys, everybody's looking at the same data. That's right. We're yeah. all looking at the same fossils, the same rock layers. It's our interpretation of the data that is informed by our worldview and uh, that, that really helps us to figure out where we land on this. And so um, so as we look at this, yeah, one of the first things in the interpretation of data that I always have to deal with with anybody anytime I'm going into a secular environment is, hey, my presupposition, my assumption when I look at the data – is that the Bible is the inspired word of God. And yeah. uh, and so, but even within Christendom, you, you do have that old earth view. Generally, it falls into two camps. You're going to have what's called the gap theory people. That there's a gap of billions of years between Genesis 1-1 and 1-2. And then you're going to have the day age folks, that those aren't literal days in the Genesis account. Those are mm-hmm. periods of time. And so uh, I think there's several issues you run into there uh, with that. Uh, one of them is the order of creation. So if, you, if plants use photosynthesis, and you look at the order of creation, like the plants were made and then the sun and the moon later. And so it's like, well, it's a little hard on those plants waiting on the sun to come up. Yeah. And then you have insects for pollination another day. So if these are periods of time, there's a real challenge. But I think the bigger issue you're dealing with here is uh, on, on the age of the earth in particular, before we drill into dinosaurs, uh, is a theological issue. And that is that the Bible's pretty clear that sin came into the world by man and specifically one man and the first man was Adam. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, uh, if you're saying that Adam and Eve were standing upon what's called the geologic column with all the death suffering and mutation through the evolutionary processes, at the point when they arrived in the Garden of Eden, that the Garden of Eden was built upon, you know, all these rock layers that whole, had a al- yeah, millions lot of, death. of years. Yeah. Yeah, you're a whole lot of death before sin ever came into the picture. Mm-hmm. And so which now you're negating or you're challenging the need for what it is that Christ came to conquer wow. to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a challenge that I think you, you just got to work through, deal with. And I've heard all the arguments on what yom is and, as far as day and Hebrew and, and whatnot. But, uh, but guys, I, I, in the end, as I look at all of the data that's out there, and as, when I was younger in my faith uh, who and what did believe in evolution and started stripping away the assumptions made as you look at the data, I began seeing a lot of problems. And, uh, and eventually landed in the what's called the young earth category. Now the question then is, how do Christians come up with the age of the earth then, based on a biblical world timeline? And uh, and guys, you know those parts in the Bible where it's like, in such and such begat such and such, and such and such begat you it's know the like part, beginning it's the of part, Matthew.
0: Everybody skips in the Old Testament exactly. Yeah, plan.
2: especially in the Old Testament because you have all our factsad like who yeah. names your kid our at. <laughs> and uh, you know like uh, those type things. Brock's next child <laughs> it is our fact please. Yeah, that would Our be – I, I want to see you Man, that. Man, that poor kid
0: what. in kindergarten trying to learn how to spell
2: his name. Our fax ad. <laughs> um, so anyhow, I you have all these – and we do. We skip over those parts. Yeah. But the fact is, God's word is inspired, and there's a reason that all those are in there. Yeah. And it's really incredible if you chart those out, guys. What you'll find is, guys, Adam lived long enough to have known Lamech, all right? That's Noah's dad for 40 years. Yeah. Like, unless you overlay those on a timeline, it's easy to read over that and skip it and not realize yeah. it. So you wonder, like, how does the creation story get passed along, you know, into the later years? Yeah. Well, it's like Lamech, Noah's dad's like, hey kids, let's jump. On a camel and go check out and talk to Adam, who walked with God in the garden yeah. and remembers what it was like before sin. And, like, that's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then the other thing to take in mind is so you have the flood that takes place. Yeah. And uh, from a biblical world uh, view, that's about 4,400 years ago. And uh, you have Shem. That's one of Noah's sons that went on the ark with him. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Shem lived long enough that it's possible that he could have known Jacob.
0: Hmm. Like you Wow.
2: Were, like, that's incredible. That when you crazy. look at the, the timeline that's there, and so how does the story get passed along? Well, that's how it gets passed along. Yeah. Um, but then you come into the pro- the thing of dinosaurs. So that, that is a big. Obviously, they existed. Oh, we find dinos. We we got fossils, bro. Yeah, you got fossils. They obviously existed. And guys, I I've heard, and I'm I'm a, I I do not mean to crush anybody here. I've heard, uh, unfortunately, Christians try to use explanations like, well, demons put those there. Like that's just not <laughs> true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it belittles God as a creator. <laughs> uh, God created some incredible things. And here's another thing to take in mind, by the way, guys, when we look at the creation we're looking at, because we yeah. like to stand in awe of the ocean or some majestic mountain or everything down to That's a right. living cell. Yeah. We're looking at the broken version. Wow. Yeah. Like, wow. You ever think about that? That's crazy. Like, as beautiful and as amazing as this, this is the broken, sin-corrupted, Jacked up version of it that mm. God one day is going to make right. Yeah. You're saying those Bradford pears are the broken version. of the That's the, pear the broken. Trees? As good as they are, they're broken. They <laughs> Smells so well, bad though. They do. Yeah, they don't smell good. Um, but yeah. Uh, so, but then looking at the creation narrative. So let's talk dinosaurs for a minute here. Um, in the scriptures, he says he created the heavens, the earth, and all that are in them in the six day period which would include man. And so textbooks would say that no human being, I'm quoting a textbook here, no human being has ever seen a live dinosaur. And yet, if you look through the narratives in world history from all around the world, we see tons of instances of what are called dragons. See, the thing Hmm. is, the word dinosaur, guys, it was invented in 1841 by a guy named Sir Richard Owens. Hmm. So dinosaur is a fairly new word. in view of our English language. I mean, the King James was translated in 1611. So so this is a fairly new word, and what they were called before then most likely was dragons. Hmm. And so all through history, all these different cultures, uh, you have dragons being mentioned. And not just dragons, but you also have like the flood itself. Uh, We'll get to this here in a little bit, I'm sure. But uh, guys, there's 270 flood legends that we know of from around the world. Wow,
1: through all cultures.
2: All cultures. I mean, you're talking about like Kunihana in Hawaii, uh, and uh, they talk about Kunihana and his his family being on a boat to survive a great flood that flooded all the earth. Wow. Or the the Haiking classic in Chinese <clears throat> culture that talks about a great flood that flooded all the earth and only Nu and his family were survived. And the Toltec Indians had one where it talked about in the first earth, and they even put a date on it, like 1,700 some odd years. And, huh. and really, if you calculate the timeline on the Bible, they were only off 60 years from what the Bible defines. Wow. When they say the, fir- the earth existed this long, and then there was a great flood. And it even says that this man and his three sons and three daughters, Kokox is his name in their mythology, uh, <laughs> were the only survivors, and so it's like it's incredible the stories that are there, <laughs> and so um, so anyhow, and that ties in with the fossils, guys. A lot of the what we're seeing in the fossil record, really, I think, is evidence of a worldwide flood. Uh, that's that's where a lot of this would have been laid down, and there's tons. I literally have six thousand slides on this topic, so uh, that we could talk on on this, but uh, but coming back around to dinosaurs, the heavens, the earth. So, and so all j- just
1: uh, to pause on that for a moment, you're saying that a lot of the, the laying of the fossil record could mm-hmm. be explained by a flood that happened over the
2: whole earth at one point. It's best explained, by the way. Yeah. And so you look at the sedimentary layers that exist in, like, the Appalachian Mountains, mm-hmm. the exact same sediment layers on the other side of the continent over in the Rockies. the exact same sediment. Hmm. Guys, there's no current geologic processes that explain how sediment goes from the Appalachians all the way over to there. So it doesn't exactly. have to happen over millions and millions oh, of no, years. Oh, no. It can, can be laid in, down really quick. Yeah. Not to mention the fact that we have a lot of rock layers that are bent. So you have bent sure. and curved rock layers. All right, if these are laid down over millions of years. Hmm. That rock becomes very uh, – uh, rock's not very bendy. Yeah. And so uh, it shatters, it breaks. Yet We have all these bent rock layers, which indicates that this was still wet and soft at the huh. point when it was compressed and it bent those layers. But on top of that, then, you have what's called polystrata or polystrate fossils. So we find whales – Fossilized through multiple coal seams and rock layer, 80-foot upright whale fossilized. Mm-hmm. You have trees, fossilized trees, that we find that go through multiple coal seams. And so, again, if these are laid down over millions of years, it doesn't line up. If they're laid down at the flood, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. Uh, you're yeah. going to see that type of thing happen. And not to mention fossil graveyards, where you have lots of different types yeah. of fossils all mixed together. Mm-hmm. Um, that's indicative of a fl- flood environment. Wow. So then shows. would the
0: flood be what settles the already dead dinosaurs, or is the
2: flood the thing that wipes them out? Well, the flood wipes them out. I mean, it's... So
0: then I I could see some people asking the question, uh, other than the practical reason of it'd be hard to fit a dinosaur on the ark, why are dinosaurs excluded from the ark?
2: they're not. Is what I would say to that. So I'm curious. Let's dig in, Chris. You're not fitting an 80-foot apatosaurus on the ark, obviously, right? But let's think about this. Let's assume for a moment that Noah was bringing the animals. Now, that's not scriptural because the Bible specifically mm-hmm. says that God brought the animals, right? Mm-hmm. But let's just assume for a moment it was Noah. All right, Noah was pretty old, several hundred years old, or not several, a few hundred years old, at the yeah. point when he starts building the ark. All 400, right? so I think. Probably has some wisdom, right? Yeah. Like he, he understands. He's, he's lived a couple days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's got some time behind him. Actually, I think he was uh, just shy of 600 years old. Wow. Uh, yeah. so, so he's got some understanding. So let's assume for a moment he brought the animals. If you're going to bring animals on board a ship like this, and, and the idea is that they reproduce, right, mm-hmm. you don't bring adults halfway through the reproductive cycle. Nope. You bring babies. Hmm. Babies are smaller. They eat less. They poop less, which is pretty important when you're on a boat with them. That's nice, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they eat less. They poop less. They're more resilient. I don't know. I got a baby. I, I, I don't <laughs> always know that they poop less. <laughs> yes. I've been there. Uh, <laughs> but versus an 80-foot apatosaurus. Sure <laughs> I mean, yes, yes. Uh, and so, yeah, they're smaller, they weigh less, they eat less, they're more resilient. And, again, the whole point is you're bringing them for reproduction. Live longer. Like, they live longer to reproduce, and that's the point. So, yeah, I think likely they brought dinosaurs onto the ark, but they were babies. Mm. Uh, now, I think po- the question then comes in, well, what happened to them post-flood? Well, I mean, you got several issues to be dealt with there. I think you have a rapidly changing world and climate. Uh, right. So the pre-flood world was likely much different than the world we live in now. Mm. Because uh, the Bible says in numerous places, Isaiah being one of them, but also Genesis, that he formed the earth to be inhabited. Mm. All right? Only 3% of the, f- the face of our planet is habitable by man now. Mm. 3%. So why would God form the earth to be inhabited and only make 3% habitable? And so obviously the pre-flood world was much different. So these dinosaurs coming off the ark are dealing with a much different environment. Not just them, all the animals, and including That's us right. humans. Mm-hmm. But then you have a bigger issue for the dinosaurs, and that is you know, pre-flood... It talks about and the seed of the plant shall be as meat to you. Post flood, he says, and they talking about the animals shall be as meat to you, and the dread of you shall be upon them. And so the bigger issue now is humans are hunting them. Yeah, and and not only that, but in the not just for food, but in we see ancient Chinese records that list dragon parts as part of the medicinal ingredients <laughs> in, in these different things. And so. Uh, so for medicine, you know, you got the whole slay the dragon to save the village thing, you know, like I, in the get the culture. That princess. Yeah, mm-hmm. get that, <laughs> get the princess. You know, it's Bowser getting taken out here. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, th- there's, that's a much larger issue even than the environmental sure. issues. Is I, just, I just want to go
0: to some of our guys here at the church that are big deer hunters and be like, you ever killed a dragon? <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's right. Well, here's the thing. So talking about the pre-flood world. All right, yeah. so how do they, how do we have an 80-foot Apatosaurus, all right? Uh, pre-flow world is obviously much different, um, again, because it would have been more inhabitable. But, guys, you look at the fossil record, because evolution says we started off small, and we're getting bigger, better, yeah. faster, stronger, all right? Yeah. I have pictures of, dr- like, a dragonfly fossil. Guys, it's got a 60-inch wingspan. Mm. Wow. You hit that going 70 mile an hour down the... <laughs> highway it's sitting in the seat next to you in the car i mean yeah, like, it's cracking a windshield yeah it's, it's doing some damage <laughs> like um we find grasshoppers over two feet long we find tarantulas that would have been uh three and a half foot uh at the carapace i mean we, we find all these fossils guys we found a in Lubbock, texas they found a donkey that was nine foot high at the shoulders they find elk with 14 foot uh antler spans you know you imagine our hunters today with a 14 foot you had to the, the wall couldn't even hold it to yeah, the yeah. yeah, that's the thing. The Jim Shaw would
0: it. settle for even less, but that's a different conversation for another <laughs> day. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, I hope Jim hears that. Um, so, yeah, guys, uh, animals were living longer lifespans just like humans were and were growing to enormous sizes pre-flood. Uh, and so you take your at your Komodo dragon, give that sucker an unlimited food supply, remove natural predators because things aren't eating each other pre-flood, and you give it a long lifespan. What does that sucker look like in a few tons? Yeah. And so uh, so people ask, you know, well, why why do they all go extinct? Well, I've not all of them have. Um, we still have uh, alligators, and we still have things that probably are descendants of those. There's some big elephants. old things out there in the ocean. Yeah. Oh, and there's some big old stuff in the ocean we don't even know about yet. Um, and the other thing, too, you're looking at, um, like, insects, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. Like insects, by the way, don't have to be in the ark. Do you guys realize that? You ever thought about that? It doesn't. In, in the scripture, it says everything that has breath in its lungs. Hmm. Insects don't have lungs. Hmm. Insects breathe through sphericals, which are little holes in their exoskeletons. Hmm, and wow. uh, and so you go to anywhere it's a flood ravaged environment. I assure you, the there one are thing are that's insects. fine is insects. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they're going to be fine through a flood. But we find insects that are massive, like that, like the dragonfly. And, and even so, today, for an example, uh, we drilled down through a bunch of ice into a lake. That is far, far under these ice shells, probably a pre flood lake. And what we found when we got down there was the oxygen density inside of that water was much higher and mm-hmm. the insects were a thousand times heavier. Wow. Same Ooh. species of insects, but a thousand times heavier inside of that high oxygen density water because you have a surface to volume ratio on insect size that comes <laughs> into play because they breathe through their skin. And so you have to have a certain amount of surface area. you guys tracking me on what yeah. that means? I don't know That's if I'm crazy. getting too technical on a podcast here. No, but, dude, I'm uh, loving this. So, so, all that to say, guys, when the textbooks say no human being's ever seen a live dinosaur, and yet we see these depictions in these stories all throughout human history of dragons, hmm. like there's something wrong with your assumptions as you look at the data. Wow. So, does that make sense? Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you're saying little T Rexes probably on the ark? Probably, yeah. Wow. And, and so. Of course, there's a lot of situation. I mean, there are literally species of animal that go extinct every year. Oh yeah, every all year. The time. And so we're losing species, but also, I mean, new species are coming about. You mm-hmm. know, as uh, you know, different breeds mm-hmm. and things. Um, and so tell us about the differentiation of these animals as they come off the ark.
2: Well, I first off, Noah didn't take your your Great Dane and your Chihuahua both. He took an ancestral canine, and so that's something that you got to take in So mind. you're
1: saying he didn't take every species of dog that's no, out there?
2: There was probably canine, equine, and, and and God said, let everything produce after its kind. It's, yeah. it's, it's in the Scriptures numerous times. God knows the kinds, and we see the speciation play its way out. It's why your dog and your cat can't actually mate uh, and produce offspring. And so that everything produces— at, Yeah, that would be freaky. Um, everything produces after its kind. And so, yeah, you probably all the genetic code necessary for a zebra, for for all the different versions of equine we've seen, were all present in that one type that was brought on the ark. Wow. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. I mean, so that really starts narrowing <laughs> down the number of actual animals on an ark.
2: Well, yeah, and that's one of the things skeptics, there's a few things skeptics point out when they talk about the ark. Uh, first off, can't have a wooden ship that size um, because it would capsize, as they say. Uh, I don't know if you guys realize this, but you know, wood ships mm-hmm. were limited in their size because as a ship crest waves, it torques the whole mm-hmm. hull. And uh, so that's where the saying, he runs a tight ship, comes from. Mm-hmm. It's from the shipping age. What they did to counteract oh. this is they had somebody whose jobs it was, the, there were people, some of the crew of the ship, that shoved pitch and cotton and things into the cracks that develop in a wooden ship to keep yeah. it from leaking. And so wh- the assumption made looking at the data, though, that the ARC couldn't have been that size is that they used our shipping age technology in constructing the ARC. And hmm. uh, the Creation Museum and the ark exhibit, they, they do some neat things, uh, some exhibits, and, and they have some things theorizing some of the construction methods because now what we know is we find older construction methods. That were more of a locking interlocking plank with wooden dowels that would okay. have tightened up naturally when they got wet. Wow. which makes more sense. But the other issue you deal with is the number of animals. Sure. All right. So people will ask, well, how does he fit all those animals in the ark? Best we can tell, identifying kinds, you're really looking at about eight thousand kinds. Yeah. Uh, that's totally doable, even when you're talking about a full set and the mm-hmm. clean animals having the additional ones there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's very doable on the sure. ark. Uh, so you're only talking about eight thousand kinds or so. Uh, yeah. That's that's. Yeah. it's Not, not all as, animals are that big. It's not as astronomical as what you're you're thinking when you look at the entire world. I think
0: a right. lot of people, when I think of the ark, unless you've seen something like the ark exhibit, mm-hmm. you have no idea how massive of a boat oh, we're yeah, talking about. Also, yeah,
1: it's huge boat that took decades, perhaps, to build. I mean, it doesn't say
2: specifically in Scripture, but I mean, it would have taken a long your, period of your, time. Your 120 tugboat. years. That doesn't say 120 years. 120 years. Wow. So, uh, yeah, and I've had— People, uh, There's another question sometimes people ask about the flood. Uh, They'll say, why use a flood? Why would God use a flood? Mm. I mean, this is the God who spoke everything into existence. He could just say, evil people disappear or die and they'd Mm -hmm. be gone, right? Because, I mean, he's got the power. It's within his power to do that. Uh, Why would God use a flood? I think, first off, it gave people time to repent. Yeah. Like, that's right. you got 120 years that Noah's working on this thing.
1: And you got this man of faith building a boat on dry land.
2: Well, and that's the other thing. It gave time for God to work on Noah and his family's hearts. Yeah. Like, that they would have to lean into and trust what they'd heard from the Lord in building this ark for 120 years. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible faith there to build that thing. Yeah. But I think the last reason he used a flood is it left evidence for God's judgment on sin. Wow. We can look today and still see evidence of the flood today that no God is serious about sin. That's and uh, and therefore, there must be a payment for that. Yeah. And that's where we come back to the cross.
1: Now, Chris, you mentioned at the beginning of this episode that there are different people who have different views, even within the Christian faith, of uh, flood accounts, of uh, creation, timeline, history. Yep. How, how serious and dogmatic should we be about this issue?
2: All right, so... One of the other episodes we talked about disagreeing agreeably, and yep. one of the passages we'll close is Romans 14, uh, in, not arguing over it, disputable matters. Uh, now, I get it, and uh, I've got friends that are with Answers in Genesis, and they'll fight and die on this hill. Um, guys, I, I, when it comes to cooperating alongside one another as Christians, I can work with someone who's an old earth person, Mm-hmm. and serve alongside them and proclaim the gospel alongside them because the, what I call the closed-hand issues we agree on. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who is God? Who are we in relationship to Him? Who is Jesus? Did Jesus die on the cross? Did mm-hmm. He rise from the grave? Is that the way to salvation? Like I, We agree on those things so we can work together. And so yeah. Romans 14 warns about not arguing over disputable matters. And I think this is one of those things that you can define in this disputable matter category. Now, I get it. Some people argue with me and go, well, you're putting sin before death if they believe that and all this. And I'm like, yes, but the salvific things, the gospel, yeah. is intact. And yeah. so we can work together and still disagree. I think
0: that's the, uh, one of the main points is whatever direction you go on this issue, how does, how does this position that some people consider as secondary – how does this position affect and influence the the non uh, like the close handed issues? Mm-hmm. Is it is it causing it to sway and, we'll, and that's the the concern I would want to have.
2: Yeah, and that's where I do struggle with it on my personal level. Mm-hmm. Is like, well, how much do you really believe in the authority in the inerrancy mm-hmm. of that's Scripture? Right, yeah. uh, if you're willing to say, and just the nature and character of God, I struggle with in this issue uh, as far as it being a disputable matter because. My God wouldn't mm-hmm. use death, suffering, and mutation by which mm-hmm. to get us here. And mm. you know, like that violates part of his nature and character. Sure. And so that's where I struggle with it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, like I've known guys, I, I've worked with other apologists at conferences and mm-hmm. things that I know are old earth guys. But we agree on yeah. the primary tenets of how someone yeah. gets saved. It's still faith in Christ. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, so I'll work alongside them. Um, but yeah, it's probably not going to be. We're not going to share a stage discussing this particular topic. Probably. So,
0: big, <laughs> big question, will there be dinosaurs in heaven?
2: Well, when he creates a new heaven and a new earth, uh, if he's restoring it back to the pre-sin status, I would say yes.
1: I'll tell you, I've read Revelation. There's some weird-looking things going there are, on there. There's, there's a, there's some a some
2: lot weirder weird-looking things than dinosaurs. Dinosaur <laughs> thing. yeah, <laughs> that's the, right. The that's description right. of those angels, hmm, Have you guys seen some of those memes lately? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> so, it's crazy. All
1: right, yeah. I think the only appropriate way to end this is the way we started it. Brock, would you want to give us the screaming
0: pterodactyl
2: well, one more I th- time?
0: I I am the only one that has done it. I want to I want to see your and the dinosaur only one sound. Hey,
2: but wait, hold on. Before we do close it out, let me make. The, I know we're. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that's good, this is let good. Let me make this statement though, guys. The word dragon is in the Bible thirty four times.
1: Wow. Yeah, give us a couple of those references so, real quick, so, it, so some person can go and look it up if they want. It. All right,
2: so if you look, uh, let me think here. The Book of Job, I know, has it numerous times. Um, Deuteronomy 32, 33, uh, the, the, their wine is the poison of dragons. Uh, Psalm 74, 13. Uh, again, Job talks about behemoth, talks about Leviathan, which, by the way, mm-hmm. guys, when well, you're reading your Bible— to ask about that. So behemoth, I'll give you an example, behemoth. thing to take in mind is the Bibles inspire the footnotes aren't. Yeah. <laughs> right? yep, so yep. always take that in mind when you're reading footnotes. Because a lot of study Bibles, when it talks about behemoth, will say probably an elephant or a rhinoceros. That's, that's what they say in the footnotes. Mm-hmm. Again, that's not inspired. Right. Because then you begin looking at the description of behemoth, and it talks about uh, first off, it says it has a huge belly, which, hey, that fits. That could be a rhinoceros or an elephant, it could also be a dad. <laughs> could be a dad, a sumo wrestler. Could be a <laughs> lot of things. Um, but then you go to the next thing, and it talks about his tail is like a cedar. And, and a cedar in Hebrew yeah. is a term that's used to describe something that's tall and swaying.
0: Yeah.
2: I haven't seen any elephants with long, swaying tails, nor rhinoceroses. It's true. I've ridden one before, and they don't have that. They don't have that. And so, uh, you, guys, you get in descri- looking at what it's actually describing. It's describing a dinosaur, and really probably like something like an apatosaurus that I referenced earlier, or a oh. you'd know um, and so or that, and that one's time, A long neck. Now here's what's all, yeah, a long neck and land before. Wow, that puts that dates date you there. It does, it does. Good it does. gracious. I remember
1: getting embarrassed in a science class. They said, "Oh, identify this dinosaur," and I said, "A long neck." <laughs> <laughs> th- th- literally, the, this teacher just laughed at me. So.
2: <laughs> I remember when the first one came out when yeah, I was a kid. So it was good. Um, now here's what's also interesting, guys. There's several passages that allude to a fire-breathing dragon in the <laughs> scripture. And so, uh, so go look that up sometime. Where you, you can find that, but there's, it talks about smoke goeth forth, quoted in the King James from its from its nostrils. You know, is
1: one it? thing, Chris, is you've you've talked is, man, the Bible is interesting, and it's filled with all kinds of incredible historical things. So, if you even now are finding yourself thinking, maybe I just need to open my
2: Bible a bit more. Yeah, do it. Like yeah. search out the truths of God in His Word. Even in the what most would consider the boring lineages, is mm-hmm. some incredible information. That's right.
1: So, yeah. Hey, wh- where's a couple of places they could go to get more information, to to search um, out to study this a bit more?
2: Well, first off, I think going to the Lead Defend conference. I mean, we have sessions that right hit on some of this stuff, so that's that's a great place to go. Of course, I'm a little biased because, as Ryan said, I helped start it. But uh, but it's Answers in Genesis, uh, Institute for Creation Research. So there's a lot of organizations out there that uh, that have information on this. And so, uh, yeah, I, Answers in Genesis is a good place to start if you just want to look at a late level awesome. type view. So. Mm-hmm. That's huge. Well, hey, this has been
1: Ryan Brock with our guest, Chris Coleman, on the Lead Defend podcast. Until next time.
0: Ah! <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode of Lead Defend. To hear more episodes from the Lead Defend crew, visit absc.org slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, rate and review us on your favorite podcast listening site. Want to learn more information about the next Lead Defend conference? Visit leaddefend.org.